Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. God's work in Jerusalem is growing exponentially. Philadelphia Church of God Pastor General Gerald Flurry wrote a coworker letter dated March 27th, and he sent it out to the members and coworkers of the church. And, and if you don't have it yet, you should have it pretty soon. But he does detail in this letter a lot of really impressive stats, and basically the the viewership numbers of the let the stone speak podcast on YouTube have grown ex- exponentially the traffic to the armstrong institute.org website has grown exponentially and the subscriber number to the let the stone speak magazine has grown exponentially as well just some really eye-popping stats, perhaps a subject for another day. But what I wanted to focus on is an announcement that Mr. Flurry made in this letter. And here it is. In February, Brent, talking about Brent Noctegall, who works for us over in Jerusalem, Brent received an email from an official at the Israel Antiquities Authority. The message came from the head of the IAA department that facilitates international exhibitions. This lady requested a meeting to discuss another archaeological exhibit in Armstrong Auditorium. And that's here in Edmond, Oklahoma, on the campus of Herbert W. Armstrong College. She had heard positive reports about our previous exhibitions and wanted to encourage us to do another. With all that we have going on in Jerusalem and at headquarters, I hadn't thought much about doing another archaeological exhibit. However, the fact that the Antiquities Authority reached out to us and made this request looks to be a wonderful open door. The meeting with the IAA was extremely positive, and we have agreed to host another exhibit in Armstrong Auditorium. This exhibit will feature the time period of King David, or perhaps the United Kingdom, David and Solomon, Right now, we plan to open it at the end of this year. As we did with the Hezekiah exhibit, we would like to open the exhibit with a performance, hopefully by an Israeli artist. This exhibit will likely open December 31st when the church's singles are in town for a special weekend. Please be praying about all these details. And it goes on to talk about how we're making specific requests for some pretty major artifacts from the Israel Antiquities Authority to get permission from them to allow us to display those at Armstrong Auditorium at the end of this year. So a new archaeological exhibit and the Israel Antiquities Authority wanted us to present this exhibit because of our positive history with past exhibits. We have developed quite a good reputation with two previous archaeological exhibits at Armstrong Auditorium. One of those was 
the seals of Isaiah and King Hezekiah discovered. This exhibit ran at Armstrong Auditorium for really less than a year. It was from June 10th, 2018 until early 2019. And during that time, well over 7,000 people, maybe even up to around 10,000 people visited this free exhibit. And it does teach us quite a lot. This, this really these discoveries, these two clay seal impressions of the prophet Isaiah, most likely, highly likely, and King Hezekiah of Judah. At the grand opening of this exhibit on June 10th, 2018, Dr. Elat Mazar, who we've worked with since 2006 until she died in 2021, she spoke and talked about how these two clay seal impressions or these bullet were discovered just two meters apart from each other in the same layer of dirt and in the same historical context. That's why it's practically undeniable that the Isaiah Bulla, even though it was broken at one point, did indeed belong to the prophet Isaiah and not some other Isaiah. There at the grand opening back in 2018 for this Hezekiah Isaiah exhibit, Mr. Gerald Flurry spoke as well. And he said, the reason this one is so much more fascinating, this discovery, I think, than some of the others, is that you have a king-prophet relationship you really have these two men teamed together, and it's really the greatest partnership of King Prophet since King David and Samuel. David and Samuel were a pretty awesome King Prophet relationship as well. Samuel anointed David king, and eventually, 17 years later, David was finally able to escape King Saul's many attempts to assassinate him and David became king and his kingly line exists to this day and it will lead all the way up to the second coming of Jesus Christ where Christ will rule from David's throne as well so obviously the Samuel and David relationship is quite impactful too but here we have Isaiah and Hezekiah and it's a really special relationship that teaches us so many lessons as we do God's work today. Now this exhibit didn't just have the two clay seal impressions of Isaiah and Hezekiah. It also had three dozen other artifacts on loan from the Israel antiquities authority showing life in eighth century BC Judah, the Assyrian empire, raided Judah and conquered over 40 cities in the nation of Judah. And then, of course, they came right to the doorstep of Jerusalem. So these artifacts relating to that time period as displayed at our exhibit included iron arrowheads, flint sling stones, royal seal impressions stamped on pottery, on pottery handles, a pim weight, a two shekel weight, 
silver fragments used as currency, a lamp, a decanter, juglets, jars, and bowls. And we also built a 12-foot-long replica of a section of Hezekiah's tunnel. You could actually walk through this replica in the lobby of Armstrong Auditorium back in 2018, 2019 when we had this exhibit. And there was a curtain on either side so you could get the experience of being in the darkness by just closing the curtain behind you. And it also had the sounds of flowing water. Water generally in, the, in Hezekiah's tunnel in Jerusalem is about only a foot high. And it's very cool and refreshing. But people who visited could pretend like they were going through Hezekiah's tunnel. And that in itself is a powerful story for us to learn from. King Hezekiah began ruling Judah at age 25, and he reigned for 29 years. He didn't come from the best family background. His father actually engaged in child sacrifice, and thankfully didn't sacrifice Hezekiah too. Hezekiah was known for cleansing the temple. He came right into his rulership and he started getting out the idolatry and all the evils that had caused God to turn away from the nation. He started repairing and restoring the temple, restoring the offerings, and particularly they had to make quite a lot of sin offerings to get right with God and show that they were repentant for turning away from him. Hezekiah also restored proper music in worship. Mr. Flurry wrote an article titled The Significance of the Hezekiah Bulla. And he said about the musical worship restored by Hezekiah. Like Hezekiah, Mr. Armstrong, so the late Herbert W. Armstrong, the founder of the Worldwide Church of God, Mr. Armstrong took special pains to cleanse God's end-time temple with music. He wrote this about godly music. Did you know that the Eternal has inspired the words of the songs and psalms, hymns, that his people ought to sing? But do the churches today sing them? No, they sing words written by misguided men, flowery words that say just the opposite of the truth of the Bible, words that are lies if the Bible is the truth. Isn't it as wrong to sing a lie as to tell a lie? Mr. Armstrong wrote that in a coworker letter from September 19th, 1958. Mr. Flurry continues, Mr. Armstrong cleansed the music offered in worship to God. Because of him, this church has a songbook better than any other. The PCG produces powerful, wonderful, uplifting, stirring music. Through the Armstrong International Cultural Foundation Concert Series, we sponsor the highest quality music the human spirit can produce. We continually sing God's praises and shout for joy because God helps us purge the filth and raise the ruins in a marvelous way, just like Hezekiah did at the temple 
restoring proper worship, removing the idolatry, using music the right way, you can go to pcg.church and access the music archive there if you are signed in. You can even see the Bible hymnal and listen to the, the hymns from all 128 pages of the Bible hymnal. And there's plenty of CDs and musical soundtracks as well available to you there at pcg.church. But it really is powerful, wonderful, uplifting, stirring music. It will certainly improve your day. If you're feeling down or discouraged in any way, you, should, you really should try going over to pcg.church and listening to godly music there. Hezekiah really did start off his reign strong. And he even restored the worship of the Sabbath and the holy days. You see, the Jews had forgotten about these days and they hadn't been worshiping them or if they did worship them, they weren't keeping them right. And Hezekiah single-handedly turned all that around. They began to keep the Passover and the days of unleavened bread. And notice here, second Chronicles 29 verse 36, the positive result. Once Hezekiah turned things around in Judah and Hezekiah rejoiced and all the people that God had prepared the people for the thing was done suddenly. Hezekiah got to work right away. He made changes suddenly. He removed sin and replaced it with righteousness suddenly. And that's what caused him to rejoice. That's what caused all the people to rejoice. Hezekiah inspired the people to give to the temple service. And the more they gave, the happier they were. This is again a quote from Mr. Flurry in that article, The Significance of the Hezekiah Bulla. God's work is always in need of people who give and serve in abundance as these Jews did. Do you serve in abundance? Do you pray in abundance? We must do God's will in every aspect of our lives and do it in abundance. God truly blesses his work as his people do so. Once Hezekiah restored the proper observance of Passover and the days of unleavened bread, which you can learn a lot more about in our free booklet, Pagan Holidays or God's Holy Days, which for free at thetrumpet.com and you can get a copy there. Hezekiah tried to convince the rest of Israel and Judah by this point, two different nations to come to Jerusalem to keep the holy days. You can find a really positive account of King Hezekiah 
in Second Chronicles chapters 29 through 32. That pretty much sums up everything that happened in his life. But Hezekiah realized how happy he was because he was observing God's commanded assemblies again. The weekly Sabbath and the annual observances like Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread too. He tried to convince others to join him, but only a few did. In fact, most of Israel scorned him and scoffed at him. And most of his own nation, Judah, uh, didn't really want to do it either. Although Hezekiah really did a good job of leading by example and eventually convinced much of his own nation at least. But Israel certainly did not want to join Judah at Jerusalem to keep the holy days. Second Chronicles 30 verse 21, just reiterating this point about gladness and joy. And the children of Israel that were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the eternal day by day singing with loud instruments unto the eternal. They kept the holy days. They actually were not ready. They were not ready to keep the Passover in the first month of the year on the 14th day of the month. And so they moved it back by one month. And then they kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread starting a day later. Once they were ready, once they had repented of their sins and were cleansed so that they could properly appear before God in worship. Then they worship God in the second month instead. And then of course would get back on track doing it in the first month for the coming years. And they all rejoiced. What a beautiful example for us. Now, of course, what we usually remember Hezekiah for was his relationship with the prophet Isaiah and how together this king and prophet withstood the mighty Assyrian Empire. Mr. Flurry has written an article in the latest Royal Vision, the March-April 2023 issue. And this lead article is titled, Keep the Lamp Burning. And he writes all about this king-prophet relationship. And what an honor that God's work was able to host an exhibit displaying this relationship between Hezekiah and Isaiah. So here is what Mr. Fleury writes in this article, talking about some of the admirable things that Hezekiah did and the example that he set that we can follow. Hezekiah cried out to God in prayer. Hezekiah repented of his sins. Mr. Fleury writes, he was also interacting properly with God's prophet. So those are really some things that we can learn a lot from. That putting high priority on that relationship with God crying out to God. Second Kings 19 verse 1 shows that Hezekiah 
rent his clothes, covered himself in sackcloth, and went into the house of the eternal. This is how Hezekiah eventually responded to Assyria being right outside Jerusalem, about to invade and conquer the city. Just like they had done to so many other cities in Judah already. Initially, Hezekiah tried to bribe King Sennacherib of Assyria, but that didn't work. You can't compromise with the enemy, especially these Gentile powers. They only respect strength. And once Hezekiah realized his bribery wouldn't work, he did the right thing. He went to God and he prayed his heart out. God delivered Hezekiah, Isaiah, and the city of Jerusalem from this 185,000-man Assyrian army. In just one night, a death angel went through the Assyrian camp and slew them all. Sennacherib went home alone in shame, and his own sons assassinated him. You can see that in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Mr. Armstrong wrote about this incredible historical example, verified by archaeology in these clay seal impressions of Hezekiah and Isaiah. Mr. Armstrong's article was titled, Let God Fight Your Battles. He wrote here, The Jews faced certain defeat, just as you may feel helpless in the face of your troubles today. If some of you try to solve your problem or overcome your bad habits or resist sin in nothing more than your own power and strength, you too will find yourself outnumbered, overpowered, and doomed to defeat. And later on, Mr. Armstrong wrote, you must learn as this ancient king did that God stands ready and willing to fight your battles for you. Mr. Fleury comments on that quote here in the latest Royal Vision. That's how you win your battles. By the power of God. That is how Hezekiah and Isaiah prevailed over the Assyrian Empire. So what an incredible lesson for us today. Doing God's work is very hard, and yet we have the ultimate power on our side. Mr. Flurry wrote here in this coworker letter from March 27th, I hope you realize just how important faith is to this work. The Apostle Paul defined faith as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. As we approach Passover and the days of unleavened bread, we have to ask ourselves, do we have hope? Do we have evidence of things not seen? Our faith must drive this work. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time.